Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm your host. I'm here with Tom Wallagorski. He's the editor of the Somers Record in North Salem News. And we also have Brian Marshauser. He's the editor of Yorktown News and the Cotonou Lisboa Times. Our Maypack editor, Bob Dumas, he uh, was back in the hospital this past week. I know he shared his experience in the hospital with a lot of readers over the past six months and you know his further complications. But today is December 9th. He's on his way home today. So he, he was very, very happy about that. I know he's feeling hopeful. He actually feels bad whenever he goes in, not just for physical reasons. I know he, uh, he loves his job and wants to be able to be the editor of Mayapac News. So I know he's excited to jump back in the saddle. So anyway, just wanted to jump in with our conversation. I know uh, Tom has some interesting uh, tidbits from his uh, two towns he covers. And Tom, if you want to I know you said you want to start off by talking about Illuminate Somers. Uh, yeah, big holiday event coming next week. It'll be at the uh, at the end of the week from when this podcast airs. It'll be on Friday, December 17th. Illuminate Somers is back, a big community event. Basically, it's kind of like a 90-minute tour of all the uh, residents' light displays and Christmas lights and everything in the town. It's just a, you know, a fun community event. There's a, they're doing is there a, a map for this or... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all it's yep. There's a map available online. There's actually a link to the story on our tap into site. So if you want to go and check that out, uh, the one thing is, is that there is a map and they do it by timed intervals. So you have to actually sign up for a time like I signed up for the six o'clock one. And so it's, you know, six thirty, six, six thirty, seven, seven thirty. And then you actually ride through um, takes about an hour and a half. They actually have a um, like a bingo card that like once you check off all, you know, like find a reindeer on the roof, find Mrs. Claus. And, uh, you know, there's definitely going to be prizes. And then at the end of it, you get to vote on, um, you know, the Community Choice Award, Flashiest Lights. So just a fun way to get the community involved, you know, as we kind of continue with the holiday season here. So everybody be on the lookout for that. I will tell you um, my favorite. I haven't done a, you know, a huge uh, tour of, of Somers in the past for holiday lights. I used to live in Carmel within maybe a half mile of, of Carmel High School. There's a side road and there's a house on the side road that has the most amazing light display I've ever seen in my entire life. But not just that, it's, it's timed with music. So you have to like turn on an AM radio station and basically the light display is all based on the music you're listening to. It's, it's spectacular. It's really, really oh, awesome. Oh, I know the one in Carmel that you're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, right, right back over there by Lady of the Lake Church. But yeah, that's amazing. You could just sit there and just go through the, the songs and the lights and everything. People really go over the top with these. There's actually two guys in Somers that they're, they're friends, but they have like a friendly rivalry of who can outdo each other with the light displays. Is there anything like that in, in Somers with the music or do you know or not that I know of, but this is also okay. my first go around with the holidays in Somers. So I'm very that's why I you know made sure as soon as I got the link for Illuminate Somers, I signed up myself. You know, go awesome. take some paper and taking the wife along, get some hot chocolate. It's gonna be a fun night. Awesome, awesome. Also, I recommend for everyone Walnut Hill Church. Sorry, I'm just telling people to go go to <laughs> other places, but Walnut Hill Church in um, Bethel, Connecticut has the same type of thing with music and everything like that. They do a really, really nice job. So, you know, if people want to take trips to different places, uh, for sure, that's, you know, that's exciting. Yeah, and it's a nice way to spend an evening. Yep. 
And you were telling me that you were at a, uh, a meeting where you learned a little bit about some emergency shelters in Somers. So yeah, um, one of our stories for next week, the uh, December 16 issue that'll be coming out this week, um, board members of the Somers Library were speaking before the town board, basically appealing for funds. The library is definitely in need of some upgrades. Um, they need to be more disability compliant. Technology needs an upgrade, especially with you know the, the new capabilities for Zoom and everything. So they're definitely appealing for some funds from the town. And uh, one of the interesting things that was brought up was uh, Somers's disaster preparedness plan. Basically, what would happen if there were to be like a tornado or some kind of catastrophic thing? And it was just interesting to actually learn, like, truth be told, I wouldn't know what to do in the town where I live if there was a, you know, like where I would need to go. So it was just interesting that um, the big fallout shelter in Somers would be at Heritage Hills and then the backups would be at Somers Middle School in Lincoln Hall. But the library also wants to have a generator installed so that they would be able to take people in the event of some kind of you know disaster like that. So just uh, we're going to have a whole story on that uh, this week. Just a really interesting thing about, you know, the town where you live. Great, great. And, and I know you want to give a plug to uh, an organization, a very important organization in North yeah. Salem. Switching over to North Salem. Yeah. So I had a uh, I had a great conversation uh, last week with the executive director and one of the board members for the Friends of Karen, uh, which if anybody's not familiar, it's been around since 1978. It's based out of North Salem. And the whole organization is devoted to helping um, children and their families who are facing uh, life-threatening illnesses cancer, sickle cell, things of that nature. And just the amount of services that this organization offers for families, you know, providing like social workers, therapy, financial assistance and everything. It's, it's amazing the, the amount of ground that they cover and the amount of people that they help. It's about 600 children a year and they've been doing this for 40 plus years. Just I, know, I know their reach is actually pretty big. I know um, a few years ago, I was really shocked to see this. I was in New York City in Manhattan and I saw some kind of uh, poster about friends of Karen in Manhattan. So I was very, very surprised about that. Yeah. The, primarily the, the children that they do help are because they're recommended by caseworkers in the individual hospitals. That's usually who brings them to the program, primarily in the city. But they're re, like you said, their reach is everywhere. We're talking Connecticut, New Jersey, Long Island, all throughout the Hudson Valley. Like they cover a lot of ground. They don't turn anybody away. Like they really do whatever they can for anybody who comes to their door. That's very nice. Um, they're right in the midst of kind of two important programs. Uh, the first thing is their adopt a family program, which basically, you know, they just understand that, you know, these families are getting hit so hard by all of this and the holidays can be a really tough time for the kids, the parents, the siblings. And what they do is they have the kids put together a wish list and they, you know, make it happen that, you know, every kid gets at least something from the wish list, just so, you know, so there's some semblance of like holiday normalcy and everything. So we have a whole story about that on our tap into website. And there's also, um, you know, links if anybody want to get to, wants to get involved, every little bit helps. And they're also doing their year end appeal, which is, you know, the, this is their big fundraising time. It could be as little as a gift card. It could be as major as like sponsoring a program, but they're just willing to talk with everybody about it. And it was just, a, it was a great conversation with these people. And it was, uh, you know, I'll admit, I was just very touched by the, the amount of devotion to, you know, helping these kids and the families, especially this time of year. So that's great. And, and I know you want to touch on one last thing. I'll give you a real brief second for that because I know budgets can be kind of a boring topic. So I'll give you a brief, budgets brief, are, brief second. Not for a, that. Yep, they, uh, budgets are definitely important. Uh, North Salem uh, approved their budget for the upcoming year. So it's uh, we're looking at about $11.5 million. It is under the tax cap, but unfortunately, there will be about a 2% tax increase for everybody. So. Not the most thrilling thing, but sometimes that happens. Good news is, is that the town police officers will be getting about a 10% bump in pay, 
which is, you know, good for the those who are protecting and serving. And uh, one of the big line items, and this is a story that we've covered extensively um, over the past year for North Salem News, the Schoolhouse Theater, which was recently uh, purchased by the town for the new senior and activity center, and also for, you know, local theater and everything, uh, they're getting about a half million dollars, and that was part of the budget. And uh, they actually, rather than just lumping that in with capital projects, they wanted to make it clear that Supervisor Lucas actually said, like, oh, we want you to know where your money is going here. So, And, and the big. half million will go towards what? With a quote, whether this um, is again, the schoolhouse, it needs a lot of renovations to kind Got of make it. it ready for so okay. just, you know, HVAC insulation, all that just wanted people to know where this big chunk of the budget is going for. And I think, again, that's going to be a great thing for, you know, a great thing for the community. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll tell you the the feeder group that operates there and probably was a very smart move to give it to the town because the town does have the resources to, uh, to snuff in a sense. Uh, yeah. And again, I think it, it extends beyond, you know, theater just in terms of, you know, community activities and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be a good move for everybody involved. Uh, I want to move over now to Brian. And I know Brian's prepared to talk about some stuff that I actually think could be some good debates about to happen. So, hmm. <laughs> Brian, if uh, I guess uh, if you want to start with Bedford, that'd be great. Yeah. So I, I just was speaking to our reporter, Tom Bartley. Uh, last night, he was at the Bedford meeting this week when we're filming this on December 9th. So the weekend, December 9th, he, he was just at the Bedford board meeting. And uh, one of the things they did was they either passed or are about to pass a resolution that would ban gas powered leaf blowers townwide in Bedford. And that's, you know, residential and commercial uses. And that so, starts 2025. You correct. Said? Yeah. No, I was just getting to that. So it's yeah. uh, two years from now, basically January 1st, 2024 is when it takes effect. And I asked Tom, my first question was, well, do people who own gas-powered leaf blowers, will they be grandfathered in? And he said, nope, just a total ban. Uh, you can't use it. If you use it, it's an offense. It's town code violation. Who is this going to negatively impact? Well, I know your first thought was probably landscapers. Yep. Yeah, I know the state has already gone this direction, right? But the state, I think, is giving them more lead time. I think the state's giving them five years to get rid of them. Basically, if you need a new piece of equipment, don't buy gas because you're going to have to get rid of it. So um, I think they're giving them more time to kind of turn over their stock of equipment. But Bedford's just saying two years, you can't use it here. So I don't pretend to know everything about environmental impact, but I will say if you use a battery powered leaf blower, you know, you have to plug that thing in and, you know, that energy is coming from somewhere when you charge a battery. And, you know, if, if it's an electrical leaf blower, you know, same thing. I mean, it's so, uh, I mean, there's an environmental impact regardless. So I, I don't understand exactly why gas powered is being uh, the target here. Right. Or is, um, this, is this an environmental thing or is this because they're a, like a, a nuisance? I'm sure a little bit of A and B, but I think it's oh, mostly the environment. Bedford is, as many people know, it's a, it's it's where, you know, Bedford 2020, now Bedford 2030 uh, was founded. It's, it's a town that takes very seriously its, uh, its charge to protect the environment. And uh, so I, I, I think this is one more step in that direction. But yeah, I mean, the cynical side of things, you could say they're hurting the little guy they're, they're, and they're out of touch with the, the blue collar worker who doesn't care that much about these quality of life things. But even then, I think, that, you know, it, so I think it's, I think it's a interesting debate to have. I mean, look, we've, we have the entire planet <clears throat> and like even like, you know, with the Biden administration, with, you know, them ending the Keystone pipeline, you know, and, and their policies are not very favorable towards drilling and everything like that. We had become uh, a net exporter of energy. And now, you know, we're asking OPEC to lower prices and to release more oil. So in the end, there's an environmental impact on the other side of the world, so the other side of the earth. So it still impacts the planet. 
So, I mean, this is where I'm just sort of scratch my head. I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, Bedford can't just shut itself off from the rest of the planet and the United States can't shut itself off from the rest of the planet either. So I just think it's kind of short-sighted. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, 100% their motivation because I wasn't at the board meeting. That's Tom Barley's. Uh, yeah. he, he'll be on the lookout for his article when that comes out in next week's issue of the Katona Lewisboro Times. December 16th, we'll have full coverage of that. Yeah, so I, I that that's where they stand, you know. I mean, we could have the debate, but it, it's happening. It's happened. Yeah. And I know uh, there's also sort of a conversation going on about uh, marijuana. Correct. We were speaking before the episode, and Tom was saying, you know, we've kind of forgot about this because when the state gave municipalities the option to opt out of having dispensaries and consumption lounges, most of our towns took the state up on that offer uh, almost immediately. And there just wasn't even really a debate. It was just quickly nipped in the bud. And um, <laughs> no, no yeah, pun intended. That actually was no pun intended, but there you go. <laughs> town of Yorktown uh, was one of the towns that just voted to opt out very quickly. I know uh, Tom's Towns, right? Somers in North Salem also did. Yeah, yeah, um, not, not really much debate there. And Bedford was one of the few holdouts, but I, I don't know if it's, it was necessarily because they were ever going to allow them. I think more cynically, I, I, you know, I would say it's probably election based and they probably wait until after the election. But now the debate is being had. Uh, these municipalities have until December 31st to opt out. And basically it's two prong. You can opt out of having consumption lounges, which are basically, you know, bars for smoking marijuana. And you can opt out of dispensaries. The Bedford Town Board at its most recent meeting uh, opened the public hearing on both. They opted out of the consumption lounges, but held open the hearing for dispensaries. But to hear Tom Bartley tell it, our reporter, was the turnout was overwhelmingly one-sided against marijuana. And, and most of these people wanted the town to opt out. So now, that do, you think, of, do you think it was representative of the entire town? or How can we ever really know that? I mean, the people who turn out to these meetings tend to be the people who uh, are against things. Even in Yorktown, though, I, I would say that it was actually fairly, not split, but there was more pro-marijuana folks than there generally are. And still, the town didn't even really consider it. It's hard to really know. And I should note, they do have the opportunity, this is subject to a permissive referendum to remind people that if enough people in the municipality decide they want to make this a ballot issue, they can. You know, is, they, there, they, is there a time limit on that? You know, it's funny. It's been so long since I covered the story in York yeah. and I kind of forgot. It's either 45 days or 60 days, something like that. From the day of the vote, they have a certain amount of time to get 10% of the people who voted in the last election. Can the municipality ever change its mind? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So it's actually interesting you say that because in Lewisboro, there was a permissive referendum recently on a totally different topic. They got enough signatures to make it a ballot issue and they presented the town with the petition. But Instead of deciding to make it a ballot issue, the town just said, you know what, let's walk back our earlier vote. It gives them a chance to take well, it back. What was that about? It was a controversial topic. There was this vacant piece of uh, land near one of the lakes. It wasn't lakefront property, but it was near one of the lakes in town. The assessor has decided it's unbuildable land. So they they sold it without any auction or without any competitive bidding to... Supervisor Peter Parsons is confidential secretary oh, wow. for a few grand. Okay. And, um, you know, of course, people to people that reeked of closed door favoritism. And, and you know, and, and so they, they just they said, you know, we can't do this. We have to put it up to auction. How can you, you can't just give away. I mean, it's not giving away, but you can't just sell it. Can they without... retroactively take it away from? <laughs> well, they, they agreed to sell it, but I don't think any deed was signed. You know, oh, okay, I, okay. so yeah. I mean, it, it's so, uh, yes, they 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 just. 
decided to walk back that vote and put it up yeah. to auction, I guess. Yeah. That was, that was probably the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in a certain case like that, you got to have a little common sense. You got to, you got to understand how things look. And I think that's a big part of governing. And uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's <laughs> perception of something like that. <laughs> yeah. But not to get sidetracked. Yeah. The marijuana vote similarly is subject to permissive referendum. So voters can overturn it in Yorktown. A ballot was started. They just did not get enough signatures in time. Maybe if they had somebody working 24-7 at their, as their full-time job, they might have. But this was, you know, a guy volunteer going door to door, standing outside supermarkets, trying to get, I forget how many voters, but it was a couple thousand he had to get uh, in Yorktown. So he got this on the ballot and he just couldn't get there in the amount of time. So Yeah. I will tell you, after having done the article about Great Barrington, Massachusetts, which, yeah. you know, um, where we featured Theory Wellness, which is a marijuana dispensary, really one of the first ones in, in, in the state of Massachusetts and a, a nice place in the sense of kind of you get the vibe of going to like an apple store just you know kind of upscale and i would say that of all of our communities i would say bedford kind of is most similar to great barrington in that regard kind of like katona is a really pretty downtown you know i could really imagine a really tasteful marijuana dispensary right um, that's upscale and and you know could attract people to other other shopping in katona and uh, other other parts of bedford yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I, I I was talking with Tom about this last night too, Bartley. And, and one of the things I've noticed, and, and it's kind of, you have to address the elephant in the room, is that the communities that are voting against it seem to be very predominantly white. And the communities that are considering it or are allowing it are, are more urban communities. There's something there. Uh, you know, you have to address the elephant in the room and wonder why that is. So what, what, what's your... I'm not drawing any conclusion. I'm just okay. saying it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to point out. And like, you know, I, I, in Yorktown, they, there's still this kind of reefer madness. A lot of these comments about. So, uh, so you're saying there could be like an element of racism, a fear that it's going to draw. Yeah, uh, perhaps. Perhaps that it yeah. makes it somehow degrades their town. I think there's this fear that it, that it kind of these communities that are just afraid of what it attracts. So I, I think there there is an element of that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I heard them referred to as undesirables. Well, and that was I actually kind of pushed. I'm like, who, that, are we, who are we talking about here? That was actually the Taco Bell customers, <laughs> of which I am one in Yorktown. They they did not want Taco Bells uh, because they attract undesirable clientele. <laughs> so that, that's Bell's another really topic evil. for another. That Taco Bell was eventually approved, by the way. So <laughs> this undesirable will be eating a uh, spicy potato taco there very soon. Now, I actually, I do love Taco Bell a lot, but I have to say my big choice now, I absolutely am obsessed with, I get it almost every week is Chipotle. I love Chipotle. Oh, I, I, we have one right down the road, but I'm not a, I'm not a fan. I know. Oh, so good. <laughs> and, and Brian, you can get, you can get vegan stuff there too. Well, have- no, I love salsa fresca. I'm a salsa fresca guy. I don't know if you're familiar with it. They're a Northern Westchester type of operation. They have one in Peekskill, Mount Kisco. Uh, they're, they're very good. I'm they're, very they're opening from- one of those in Brewster actually. Yeah. They have one in Carmel. I'm very familiar with it. I would say salsa fresca is a cheap knockoff of Chipotle. Oh, you're, you're, you got it wrong. <laughs> no, no. And, 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 and I will tell you also, I know you're a vegan. You're a vegan, no, right? Vegetarian, vegetarian. Vegetarian, okay. Well, they, they do have um, like a soy-based um, protein at Chipotle. And it's delicious. Oh, interesting, yeah. I've, I've actually had it. It's very, very good. I will admit that my bias is in the sense that uh, everything in Chipotle's menu is onion-filled. And I can't stand onions. And yeah, they, yeah, they are you, very heavy, heavy. You on can't the like customize them out. And I've looked at it and tried. Interesting. I, I will I will say I, I don't like like whole chunks of raw onion. I like onion when it's like finely chopped up and kind of mm. like hidden a little bit because then, then it adds flavor. I agree with you. Like I don't like a, 
a gigantic piece of onion on a burger. I think that's gross. That's probably why I dislike Chipotle. I've never actually had their food. I just can't order anything without onion. Actually, one thing I will say, you know, I know Chipotle was in the news for about like a year, you know, because they kept having all these um, food poisonings at Chipotle. And I will say, um, I've tried actually contacting like corporate about this. I've complained, but if you see where they place the utensils in Chipotle, they often place it right next to the garbage. So people are like throwing garbage into the utensil holder very often. And it's like, and so I'll go to the front and I'll, and I'll say, can I have a, a fork? I don't want to, I'll complain. I don't I, want these trash covered forks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we got, we got even more to talk about if you want, we got, you know, yeah, please, please let's bring, bring I mean, up. we could talk about uh salsa fresca and, and chipotle all day. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, we could talk about Indy Lee. We could talk about uh, the Yorktown I want, budget. I want, I want to talk about the Yorktown budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know you want time for that. So, yeah, yeah. The Yorktown budget. We actually haven't written any story on it yet. The meeting was just held on Tuesday, December 7th. So two days before we're recording this. So our story has not been published yet about the budget. And, you know, I, I think a lot of budgets these days, especially in Yorktown, they've been kind of uneventful in the sense that they've just been they've been tax cap compliant there have not been a lot of big swings they've kind of held the line on spending and unfortunately for the town that doesn't get a lot of headlines when they hold the line on spending uh it gets a lot of headlines when they shoot up 10 percent. but a few things i found interesting in this budget one of the big debates that happened during the public hearing was a few people questioned the town's spending sixty thousand dollars uh on a communications firm Thompson and Mender. Basically, this organization, I think they're Westchester based, they do uh, PR for the town and they work very closely with the town supervisor. And I actually just got a press release this morning from them about how a solar farm was approved. I, I get I get probably five to six press releases from them a week. They help them with a lot of other stuff. But there was a question of whether it was wise to spend that much money on a communications firm, particularly you know the Destination Y campaign, which is one of the things that Thompson and Bender led they got money for that. And they also just got another $12,000 to do a holiday ad campaign. You know, they're spending money on, on this communications and they, think which, we, which we got $0 from. Right. You know, yeah, we were initially going to get six grand, but you know, I guess out of our uh, generosity and, and with a barter agreement with the chamber of commerce, uh, we helped them provide at no cost to the town, these ads. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that, that, that was a little frustrating. I will tell you, I mean, Look, I think as, as much as this uh, PR firm, Thompson Bender, and, and I will say we, um, Thompson Bender is actually a, a client of ours as well. They place some advertising with us. I know uh, they do work with uh, Westchester Community College uh, through Thompson Bender. I, I just want to say that at the, on the outset. But I will say, you know, as much as they do stuff like a campaign, like the Y it was, campaign. It was called Destination, Destination y, y. And it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a value for that. They're helping out the town. I, I get it. I think building I, brands important. I would say I, I think where the, that work might become inappropriate is, you know, when they're sort of become a mouthpiece for the town supervisor. If that, I agree. If, if that happens, I, I don't think that's appropriate use of the town's money. It's always kind of a gray line because does Thompson and Bender work for the town or do they work for the town supervisor? And that's kind of the gray area. It's a question of whether they're doing PR for the town or whether they're doing PR for the town supervisor. If they're doing PR for the town, I don't see as many press releases necessarily for other town departments, but I definitely every single press release that comes out, it's, it's it's pretty much seems to directly involve Slater. If the 
difficult discussion to have without like sound like you're accusing anyone. You know what I mean? And, and actually, uh, you know, if Matt Slater or or any of his uh, friends or allies are listening to this, I'm not picking on Matt Slater here. I actually have problems all the way from like congressional offices having um, press secretary, and then also even the White House has a press secretary. More school districts now PR people for school districts. Look, I have a love-hate relationship with them because, you know, they actually really help our newspapers. You know, they help fill our newspapers sometimes. That's certainly valuable for us. I don't like when we go to an event, none of our competitors are there, and then the press person sends the story out to every one of our competitors. That, yeah, we, we put in the sweat equity, and they're they're sitting at home, and they get, unfortunately, um, they get the story, too. Yeah, so that, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that has happened to me a couple of times. That never gets any less annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's undercuts us. It's, it's uh, you know, undercuts our business model. It's, it's very, very frustrating. I think there's an ethical problem with a government entity having a press secretary. I think it's valuable to have a communications person in the sense of maintaining a website, getting out important news as like, oh, you, you know, your recycling is changing this week or, or there's a bulk pickup day this day. I think there are certain town announcements where it's good to have a communications person. And But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if necessarily, my, I don't know why the supervisor's assistant or so, someone else could probably handle that without hiring a communications firm, maybe. I mean, trust me, I do 10 different jobs. I think we all do here. It's uh, it's an interesting discussion to have. You know, I mean, how do you feel about uh, school PR people when we get press releases about the theater group? You know, how do you feel about that? Are you upset? Or, cause I, I'm actually, I just got one this morning and I'm like, oh, that's actually great for the paper. I mean, like I said, I have, I have a love-hate relationship with them. I, I, don't, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't like when we put that in the sweat equity and then our competitors get the same Agreed. stories. And, I and, have actually found, and not, yeah. sorry to cut you off, is yeah. that I get invited into the school less now because they have their own PR person. I actually haven't been in the Katona Lewisboro school district or the Yorktown school. I haven't been there in years. They don't invite me in anymore because they just have their own PR people. And, and I think there is something lost when you're not there. If the town wants to get news out instead of coming to a unbiased reporter, they go to their PR person and they can get their spin on it before I ever have a chance to, you know, you know, it's, it's tricky. I, but I, I understand why you'd want it if you're in his position, if you're in the town's position. To answer your question further, I mean, I think there's a value with, you know, we have good relationships with a lot of, a lot of these uh, press outlets. Of I course. Mean, and, you know, there's value to what they do. And I agree with you, you know, making announcements, you know, the day of recycling has changed this, this and that. But I think when the stories start becoming, well, isn't that great that the superintendent did this? And isn't that great that the, you know, right. school board did that? Or Yeah, I know. It feels a little propaganda. Yes. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you know, uh, as my, my father-in-law tells me this all the time, he once spoke to a politician who, I don't I can just say his name, Greg Ball. Greg Ball uh, was talking to my father-in-law one day. And, you know, my, my father-in-law is sometimes not the best at telling people that what he did. And I should let people know my father-in-law is elected official. He's not the best he's at, like, putting stuff out there on social media, telling people, singing his praises. And then Greg Ball, you know, he's kind of shameless about it. He was always, and, and then he kind of told my father-in-law, you know, if there wasn't a picture, it didn't happen. Like, you know, that's, so, that's, that's very, very funny. So that, that's you kind of have to be a little shameless about it if you want your name out there. And in some respects, there is something to be said about building a brand. And you can do that through kind of relentless positivity, which is kind of these press releases. And it makes Yorktown seem like this wonderful place. And I think the residents kind of like it. And as much as it helps the town, that's a good thing. As much as it maybe buries some problems or, <laughs> or or helps elected officials, I think that's a problem. But anyway. yeah, no, I know I, it's it's the previous administration uh, run by Lonnie Gilbert. The Facebook pages it, they're dormant, you know. They you know never got a press release from the town. 
you know, he never told anyone what he did. And I, I think that's kind of a problem. You have to communicate when you do something. I think that's important. So I, I, I'm kind of torn on it. Yeah. Uh, I see the value of it, but I also see the danger in it. Interesting. Interesting. It, yeah, um, it's, it kind of seems like a, like a fine line there. Well, we'll go on to the next topic. You were saying before this podcast that sometimes you feel compelled to always have a hard news story on the front page, but yeah, every yeah. once in a while, a nice feature is really what a hometown newspaper is all about. Right. And the story we ran on the front page this week in the Katona Lewisboro Times was that of Indy Lee, who is a clean beauty entrepreneur. If you're not familiar with her story, she was diagnosed with a form of cancer in 2008. And her doctors told her that one of the causes might be the cleaning products she was putting on her skin. And that prompted her to look into this more. And eventually she launched her own business, which is named after her. It's Indy Lee, I-N-D-I-E, Lee, uh, L-E-E. And it's gained quite a following since then. I know I was just, you know, I think her products have been picked up by Ulta, which is a, a pretty big beauty product company. So yeah, she's having quite a bit of success and, and we profiled her and yeah, a lot of people around town, uh, especially in South Salem, you know, we, we get a lot of impressive people who live uh, in these communities. And yeah, um, yeah and, it's, and it's I know I know there's a market for what she has. I mean, I'll tell you, my wife is very into, you know, my wife is careful with, with what deodorant she uses. Right. Um, and when I say clean know. beauty, it's what's in the product. There's all sorts of chemicals. I don't know if you ever looked on what's on the back of the stuff you put. Like, you know, I, I don't use a lot of beauty products, but uh, I take care of what I uses deodorant, for example, no aluminum. Uh, I do understand that. Meanwhile, I'm sort of of the opinion what it, what it doesn't kill me only makes you stronger. So <laughs> yeah, that, now I'm really worried about what's in my deodorant. Thank you, Brian. I actually, not as seriously as Indy Lee, but I was getting rashes. And I was like, why am I getting rashes? You know, I was looking up what's in my deodorant and then, you know, researching. And now I use kind of this natural deodorant without aluminum and no problems. I will never stop using Old Spice. <laughs> yeah, okay. I use old so I use old spice too. So like I feel I feel okay with that, but I'm still gonna check as soon as this is over. <laughs> and one final thing I'd be remiss if I meant didn't mention it. Another great profile we haven't run yet. This involves both North Salem and Yorktown. There is this Hades Town is a very popular musical right now on Broadway. They're also doing a national tour of this musical. And uh the lead is being played by a North Salem resident. And a secondary character um, is being played by a Yorktown resident. Awesome. In this big yeah. national tour of this very popular musical, we have a Yorktown and a North Salem resident touring the country until 2023. This is a long tour. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, we also I, have, uh, there was a, a, a Somers High School graduate. Uh, we ran the profile last week that uh, is touring with Fiddler on the Roof, too, in like a pretty major role. So yeah, it's like all of our towns have a little Broadway love here. That's very, very cool. I, I have to say, and my parents told me this would happen. You know, as as a parent of a now twelve year old and and a um almost eight year old, you know, for the last twelve years of my life, I just I had my head in the sand with any kind of cultural phenomena. So I used to be in theater in high school, and I used to follow this stuff. And I, <laughs> I I have no clue what what's going on now in, on Broadway or anything like that. Yeah, well, I I don't go to Broadway for different reasons. I just can't afford it. Well, it's crazy expensive. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked into tickets for Hamilton, and it's like I'm ruined. <laughs> Yeah, my wife got us tickets to Book of Mormon about five years ago, which was great. I loved it. Big fan of Trey Parker and Matt Stone, South Park guys. Was really they are funny. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have not seen not, the show, though. I have not seen Hamilton other than on Disney Plus, but I loved it. And yeah, we it, we just, it, it's really impossible. We, we did go to Aladdin once, the Broadway, because we won the lottery. So that was score for that one. But yeah, I, I used to enter the Hamilton lottery uh, religiously and just never won. So maybe it's time to start that back up. 
I will tell you, like my favorite Broadway show of all time is Les Miserables. I think that's fantastic. And uh, the, that's yeah. funny you mentioned that because Craig Shulman, Yorktown resident, played the lead, right? Uh, really? Yeah, I believe. Is that Jean Valjean? Yeah. 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 So Craig Shulman has the distinction of being the only person on Broadway to play the lead in uh, Phantom of the Opera. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Les Miserables. Wow, that's incredible. He's one of my good friends, Matt Shulman, his son. Uh, that's his dad. So he lives oh, in Yorktown. So, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I have to meet him. That's <laughs> Honestly, that's like the best. That's the most incredible show ever. He is an incredible talent, Craig. <laughs> Yorktown, yeah. He lives He lives among us in Yorktown. So. Actually, I can't wait. I will be the first online to get tickets when the greatest showman goes on Broadway. Oh yeah. Um, I it, saw Hugh Jackman uh, live in concert two years ago, actually. And he okay. sung a lot of things from the greatest showman. I, I will tell you the greatest showman is my family. We probably watch <laughs> that movie like once a month, at least. It's great. Like, yeah. I love yeah. it. He's like on a Sunday afternoon. We're just like watching greatest showman. It's awesome. So inspiring. But yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys. Cool. cool. Thanks guys. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah. You Thanks. Too, you too. Until next week. All right. See you. Bye-bye.